You know her as a singer, you know her as an actress, but she is immortalized thanks to Deep Space Nine and the legacy that everything Star Trek has brought. And this weekend, she will be hosting a panel for a pay-as-you-go situation uh, because we can't be at the conventions in person, unfortunately, in 2020. Chase Masterson, how are you today? I'm great, R.C. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Fanboy Nation. How are you? Uh, we're all great. You know, we're surviving. It's a beautiful, sunny day by the beach, so we can't complain too much. Good. By the yeah. beach, huh? Yeah, well, you know. We had we had our protesters last week over here in Huntington Beach, but uh, I avoid large crowds no matter what anyway, so. <laughs> well, I hope everybody's staying safe, and that's the most important thing, and, and that's why these virtual conventions are so exciting. I will say it's, uh, it's uh, yes, it is pay as you go, but it's actually more importantly, pay what you want. So right. You can join under this panel for whatever you'd like to contribute. Um this work, this panel also goes to support my work with the charity that I founded, and uh, back to you, RC. Uh, well, fill me in on the charity. Well, thank you. Due to Gene Roddenberry's incredible vision for a better future, a more hopeful future, and a more just and equitable future, I founded Pop Culture Hero Coalition, which teaches empathy and resilience and other crucial skills to children, teens, and adults using these stories that we love. So we use Star Trek, Star Wars, The Avengers, Wonder Woman, Batman, uh, Black Panther, all of these incredible stories, as you know, have incredibly beautiful transcendent messages, powerful stuff that teach us how to be heroes. So we figured we love heroes, why not be one? And so it's extremely exciting to be able to adapt these stories for actual use in, in schools, and now we're adapting the, the work in schools for work in homes, and we're putting it out absolutely free um, because, you know, when people need help with depression, anxiety, et cetera, I think that should be free. I think we should all be able to get help when we need it. So this is my tribute to Roddenberry's work, and um, I'm super excited about it. It's, it's created by psychologists, and people they were saving lives. So you went from playing hero to actually being one now. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. It, it, it is fun to make these stories come alive for people in real life. And uh, that's why actually our, our Twitter and Facebook and Instagram handle is superhero IRL because, you know, that's what it's about. Uh, superheroes in real life. Well, I'm loving that. And, you know, although we can't be there with you in person this weekend or possibly in August because of still what's going on with the health crisis, I'm looking at this uh, Q&A panel with this virtual fan experience as kind of a good thing because we have so many friends that either have health issues or have certain disabilities that would prevent them from physically going to these conventions. And now it's opened up to all our friends and people that, that we know in real life that couldn't make it to some of these events and deal with those crowds or people that have social anxiety that can't do it. So this is kind of a bonus for everybody as well. Yeah, this makes conventions on a more even keel. People who wouldn't be able to show up physically or emotionally for some reasons, it also opens the audience to people who live in areas that don't get conventions and can't afford to travel. Um, 
it's really exciting to be able to connect with so many fans, and that's one silver lining that we can put on this crisis. Well, I mean, we got to look on the bright side of things because if we don't, all we're going to do is be miserable. But there's so many things. I talked to Garrett Wang about this. I said, if you're a religious person, your house has now become a religious sanctuary. If you know you're someone that meditates, you got that. If you're an introvert, you've already been home before the crisis, so you're happy anyway. So we have things that are going to help us reflect and reach out to people that we haven't talked to in a while. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really wonderful to have a Q&A also so that we can really talk with fans. And we know when fans show up, it's really exciting to, you know, see who's out there and and just fun. You know, we, we make not only fans, but friends for conventions. There's so many people that I literally just can't wait to see at the next one so i'm i'm really excited about this well tomorrow is saturday may 9th and your panel is from 10 to 10 45 uh we did mention this yes. is a pay what you can yes pacific thank you for the clarification all we need are people on the east coast showing up at seven o'clock our time waiting three hours and, <laughs> <laughs> um but with this pay as you go you know there is the incentive to to tip more because the larger supporters win a f- uh, five minute one-on-one with you and a creation swag bag worth over $100. It's so exciting, right? I mean, this is just, you know, a, a perfect situation, um, you know, in the middle of all of this. Uh, it's affordable for everybody, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking Star Trek in general, Roddenberry's vision, what it means to our world today, as well as Deep Space Nine, Rita, the documentary, What We Left Behind, mm-hmm. and... Uh, for Uber Chase fans, I've got some new movies coming out that are exciting. And um, those are, I've got three new movies coming out later this year. And so Which yeah, now you know we have to review. Say it again? I said, which now you, you've made it clear that we have to review. Oh, well, thank you very <laughs> much. I would love that. Uh, with everything going, you know, on top of that, on uh, Thursday, May 14th at 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, following what uh, what's going on tomorrow, uh, there's the meet and greet with you via Zoom, where I, which is being auctioned off to 10 lucky people with bidding starting at $30. And that closes on Monday, May 11th at 11 a.m. Pacific. So be sure to, to get in on that uh, action as well, because, you know, more people want to talk to you. Thank you. And I really want to say again, fans, you guys, friends out there, and friends, I mean, you guys mean a lot to us. We we do know you, and you make a difference more than you know. Um, we love you. We miss you. We are excited and thrilled when you come back. Um, you're not just a face in the crowd, as I think you know, um, with me anyway. Right. It's, it's just wonderful to connect, and you give me great joy. So I hope I see you tomorrow. Well, I can speak from personal experience. Before you even knew who I was, you were always nice to me. And you didn't owe me anything, so I'm appreciative of that, and that's why I always want to talk to you whenever I get the chance to. You're wonderful. Thank you very much. It mm-hmm. makes me, you know, it just makes me grateful. And to know that we're part of, you know, that you have a love for these incredible stories, too, because that's what it's about. It's about the vision of Star Trek, and I love talking about that with people. So thank you, R.C. Well, I have one particular question that I need to ask you, because I know the fans always ask for various stories, do you remember what happened season three, episode seven, when you were filming that, things of that sort. Is there a favorite story that you just never get tired of sharing when asked about by a fan? 
Yeah, well, people will ask me what my favorite memories are, my favorite stories. And I, I have to say this, including the memories of shooting on the set, of being there, the wonderful process of getting into wardrobe and makeup, um, the, the process of being alone on the Paramount lot with just my hairstylist at 3 a.m., um, you know, these were, there's so many wonderful memories of, of being part of this legacy. And yet my favorite memories are when a fan comes up to me in person and says something like, I was struggling with a serious illness and I watched Deep Space Nine while I was hospitalized and it gave me hope. It, it reminded me of what's important our, our, our resilience, uh, our powerful strength of spirit, our families, our love for each other, our ability to take risks. And, you know, sometimes fans will come up and say, I was a soldier in the Gulf War. And before, and, and we would get VHS copies of Deep Space Nine. And before we would even take a shower or, you know, eat. When a new episode would come in, we would gather together and watch that because it reminded us of what's important, peace and hope. And it just, those, I have chills when I'm telling you this, RC. Right now I have chills. Those moments are, are so much better than seeing your face on camera, seeing, being on screen, seeing your face in the news. Those moments are just transcendent and Thank you so much, you guys out there. Thank you for sharing your stories with me. Those are by far the highlight of this whole experience. Wow. Well, that's some impactful stuff that's going on. And, you know, hopefully this will inspire more hope and more peace once we get or as we're getting through this pandemic. Um, I I asked a couple of the guys on Voyager this question, and I need to ask you this. What's it like all these years after the series has gone off the air and now recognizing that what was science fiction when you were on the series, some of that technology has now become science fact. And how does that feel to sit there and go, oh, we were playing, you know, with the, with the tricorder at one point, or we were playing with this communicator. And now, you know, we went from self, we went from flip phones to, you know, FaceTiming everybody. We don't in, we can instantly have conversations on video with people. Yeah, you know, that's part of the reason that it's such an honor to be part of this legacy is that Star Trek does, you know, there's a nostalgia for the future, and then it actually helps the future come to pass. It helps the future exist because it gave inspiration to people like Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, uh, countless other computer creators and programmers and it really has both called called back to the you know wonderful nostalgia for for this show in the sixties, and it's also set the stage for the future. And I believe that's going to happen in more ways as humanity progresses. We're going to see things, more things in Star Trek come to pass in the real world. That, it's a true statement. It's absolutely beautiful. Now I have to pick on you just a little bit, though, because you've crossed okay. over to the dark side more than once 
and wish those Star Wars people a happy Star Wars Day and have taken pictures with a few of those 501st uh, char- charity groups, which we thank yeah. the 501st for everything that they've done. Now we're going to play a little yeah. bit of a rivalry. Is there enough in the space in the galaxy for both Star Wars and Star Trek to exist? There absolutely is, because I would get absolutely reamed if I said no. <laughs> so, yes. And those pictures um, would be would be a terrible thing to have displayed and wasted. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my God, when stormtroopers pick you up, you got to take notice. I mean, right. geez, right? I mean, that's, you know, just for that alone, I love Star Wars. Um, no, I mean, I, both both properties and franchises have a huge place in my heart. Um, I I will say I'm partial to Star Trek because of so many things that it made the way for, you know, back in the 60s, you know, the first interracial kiss, Michelle being a powerful black woman on television, the whole idea of IDIC, infinite diversity and infinite combinations that Roddenberry uh, laid out all of those things are very close to my heart and I see that Star Wars is doing those things now and it has certainly been an iconic thing that has meant so much to so many people and I've got great friends in Star Wars I Peter Mayhew was a very dear close friend of mine and his wife Angie still is a close friend and there's you know I think you wouldn't really have one as powerful without the other. So basically we're putting the argument to rest. There's enough space for both. You can enjoy both. If the cast of both can get along with each other, so can the fans. Well, why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we need each other because how many people in the world really get it? Right. You know, I mean, I think finally we're at a place where geeks are inheriting the earth. <laughs> we rule. We know it. It's impossible to even get in to cons, and you have to wait all night out for tickets to things. And and finally, we've got our place. Right, and we're just teasing a little bit because we got to have some fun in all of this. Oh yeah, tease Louise. Yeah, (laughs) but seriously, I mean, science fiction fans, Star Wars and Star Trek, all of it. We, I found us and our fans to have the best hearts. I feel. So grateful for the way that they, the amount that they do for charity, um, as you mentioned, the five first and just so many groups. You know, this world needs all the hope we can get. And I find that in fans of every science fiction property. Yes. Love it. Love you guys. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad that you're a part of this because you're still going forward you're still helping everybody out. You've got your own charity now. You know, some people will sit there and go, oh, that's just an actor that doesn't care. They played a part. They moved on. You know, it doesn't affect their lives. But there's something special about science fiction in particular where the fan base is so loyal that even if you did just look at it as a part, it has come full circle and affected your life in some way. Because like you said, those Desert Storm soldiers that watched you guys on VHS cassette just to relieve some sort of mental and uh, mental anguish in what they were going through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this show means so much to me. It, it just like it does to you guys. I mean, it wasn't just a job. And the beautiful thing 
really is, I, I have to say, we knew it at the time, RC. We knew while we were making the show how special it was. And that doesn't always happen. A lot of times you can look back on things with nostalgia, but to know it in the moment, it's a, you know, if anybody's familiar with Camelot, you know, for one brief shining moment, we, we, we're part of a show and that is an ongoing thing where we, we loved what we had while we had it and we love it still. It was a beautiful thing, and we're glad that, you know, it's out on streaming services. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD and every other way that we can get our fix on it. With all of this, yeah. and we got to have a little bit of fun, too. You know, cosplay has always been a big thing. We see people dress up at the conventions at all of them. What's it like when you still see somebody come up, you know, really excited to meet you and dressed up as Lita? It's so wild. I just asked them, could I have my picture with you? And it's happened in wild places. I mean, usually they come up to my table, but sometimes I run into them in an elevator or, you know, you see them on their way to the costume competition. Sometimes they win. It's so fun. The thing is, that makeup wasn't, you know, like a 15-minute job. It took a while to get all that stuff on. So it's quite impressive that no matter how subtle it was, it's still a big thing to put on. Yeah. You know, my makeup, hair, and wardrobe took three and a half hours. Now, of course, it generally takes me that long in real life, too. So, Oh, please, don't even pull that. We know you wake up and there's a fan at the foot of your bed just instantly turned on the minute you touch the ground and it blows your hair like one of those uh, 80s movie <laughs> scenes where you just flip your hair and take your glasses right. off and then all of a sudden you're the prom queen. We know. Don't play that game. That's right. Just yeah. right straight out of bed. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, yeah. No, but but I will say that the the long the length of time it took for Lita, who didn't necessarily roll out of bed that way, was um, quite a long time. And that's why I was the first person on the Paramount lot every day that I worked. It, there was nobody else there except the security guards and my hairstylist and me. And it was such a beautiful feeling. I'll always remember that. And it, it sounds and sounds like we can revisit that at some point with some crossovers between Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Let's make that happen. Dude, wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, with Picard being out now, we could see that crossover coming. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think fans would absolutely love it. And I think, I hope CBS knows how much they would love to see us back. There is a Quark's bar, apparently, in in uh, Picard. But Quark's bar in Vegas was amazing when that was open at the Hilton, and I was sad to see that go. I, I know. <laughs> I was crushed. Absolutely crushed. I was there on the opening day and the closing day, uh, and I still have friends that work there who, like, we text and talk. I mean, dear friends that were waiters there, and... I've contacted two of them in the last week, and yeah, that was a very special era. It definitely was, and the ride was great, and everything was fun about that spot. Yes, it was amazing. I mean, and, you know, Lita had her own soup, and, you know, it was just a tribute to us, and it was just lovely, um, joyful. So, but here's the thing. I, I haven't seen this episode of Picard, but I hear there is a sign for Quark's Bar in Picard. Well, we're not going to give any spoilers away, but definitely people should take a look. 
I hope, I hope, I hope that would be so much fun. I mean, it isn't just any role that I would want to go back and reprise, but this one, for the joy of it, absolutely. Before I let you go, what would you like to see Lita all this time later with her Picard special episode? Like, how would you like to see her portrayed? I think Lita, 25 years later, is, or 21 years later, or however many it is on Picard, <laughs> is like creating this incredible social justice movement on Ferenginar. I think Lita has stood up for women and equality of all kinds on Ferenginar and is bridging the, uh, the, the payment gap, treating workers fairly, letting people, you know, make a, a great living wage, even if they're not the top Ferengi in town. Um, I think Lita is like the Michelle Obama of Ferenginar. We could come back with some of that and make some really fun and yet potent social statements. One thing I'll say is, is this, R.C., in this era, we are finally coming alive to how important everyone's job is. And so often actors get all the acclaim and people come up and say, oh, I just work at the supermarket. Well, now we're seeing that people who just work at the supermarket are keeping us alive and risking their lives to do so. And it's so important that we as a society, as a planet, realize that this world only works when all of us are appreciated and compensated and, and treated fairly. So I hope that we can come together as a society and bridge those gaps and remember our appreciation for essential workers. And that goes from everybody from maintenance and janitorial to I don't care who you are. It's, it's so important that, that we have this love for each other and this empathy. And I think that is a very Roddenberry message. So that's my two cents on, on uh, navigating COVID. And I, uh, I hope I see you guys all tomorrow. I would really love for you guys to be part of this, this panel tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, Saturday, and uh, you've got the link, right? I got the link. We'll link everybody to the description when we post this later this afternoon. Chase, where can we find you on social media? And thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, RC. I'm at Chase Masterson on Twitter and Facebook, and I'm It's Chase Masterson on Instagram. And the coalition I founded for uh, ending bullying and teaching empathy is at Superhero IRL or in real life, at Superhero IRL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So on Saturday, May 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific, pay what you can with Chase Masterson. The link is going to be in the description below. And an auction beginning at $30 entrance fee for 10 lucky people that get to talk to her on Thursday, May 14th. With that meet and greet, we'll link you to the time in the description as well. And we'll talk to you soon and in person, Chase, when all of this settles down. Marcy, it's so great talking with you. And thank you, everybody out there. Hope to see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Marcy.